Should we get this party started? Absolutely, whenever you're ready. All right. Live from the center of the earth, girth. Yo, and welcome to My Summer Lair. I'm your host, Sam Yunin, and uh, I have a special guest, a director. It's kind of classy, director. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, introduce yourself and um, your, let's go with three or five favorite sci-fi movies. Since oh my you're, gosh. I know, I, I give you three or five there. Three I know, or five, okay. That's still hard though. Yeah, because I feel like I'll I'll say them and then I'm, I'm going to miss out on a couple of them. So we'll, we'll try and get through this. So I'll introduce myself first. My name is Reese Evaneshin. Um, favorite sci-fi movies. Oh my God. Off the t- and they're probably not going to be, they're going to be like completely unoriginal answers. So we've definitely got like ones that inspired the movie we're talking about. So you got Terminator, you've got RoboCop. Oh my God. Why am I blanking on this? I own so many sci-fi movies. And we're talking about, uh, you directed, uh, Defective. Yes. Yes. So, we're talking about a film I directed um, called Defective. Yeah. Um, so I would RoboCop and Terminator. RoboCop, Terminator. Those I, are good I ones. Love Total Recall, the original, obviously. So we got three now. You can't leave Star Wars New Hope off the list because it's sort of classic. And then this is a tough one for me because I absolutely love Star Trek, but it's hard for me to pick exactly which one I like because there's just something all enjoyable, specifically that original series. You're like the original Cap- run Captain, movie, Kirk. Captain Kirk. But uh, And I mean, there's definitely movies that are better than others, but I sort of have an affinity to liking all of them. So we'll go with Wrath of Khan for now. Wrath of Khan's a good one, yeah. It's a classic, but... Uh, yeah. I found First Contact, Star Trek First Contact, just a solid balls to the wall like sci-fi. Yes, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like even if you're not a Star Trek guy, it's just like it's a solid sci-fi movie. Like, yeah, you, you can, can o- kind of watch it outside of that series, and it works just fine. Yeah, so, yeah. All right. Yeah, this mu- I knew that was gonna be a hard question. Like we're starting. Well, it's off- funny too because it's like if you had time to think about it. Yeah. I could probably go. Yes, here's some really intelligent ones, but uh, I don't know. Would you call? This is a tricky one. Would you define Scanners as a sci-fi movie? Because I kind of do. Yeah, I would give it. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Yeah. yeah and you got the CanCon in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so definitely I'd go with Scanners. I really like that one. I mean, sci-fi is such a broad range. I he, mean, technically Superman movies are sci-fi. Yes, right. He's true. an alien from another planet. Yes, That's kind absolutely. of quote-unquote qualifies. As sci-fi, absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and nowadays too, the genres are kind of getting elastic. Defective was at Toronto After Dark. That festival is kind of known for having kind of uh, un-type of genre-ish type movies, right? Yes, kind of yeah, things yeah. that blend horror and sci-fi and things that don't fit neatly into always one category for sure yeah how was your experience after dark the toronto after dark film festival it was cool i mean it felt like it came together so fast i mean it was great that we got in there at all frankly because we were having a yeah what's what's the language like on this are we oh we're internet radio we're in so i can swear and yeah stuff. i'm not gonna be a too big of a potty mouth no 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 I, we have no know, swear jar here so. no swear jar excellent no, we were having a hell of a time getting into... Um, oh, like that's just, pretty mild. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Okay. I'm, I'm censoring myself. Yeah. I'm still going to be good because okay. my mom or dad might listen to this oh, and, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, throw yeah. me under the bus. So. But, uh, yeah, we were having a tough time getting to some, like, finding, like, a good place to have a world premiere. And then uh, over the summer, Toronto After Dark had reached out to us uh, and they had seen a screener and they really liked it. And, then you know, we were kind of in that gray area of, like, oh, are we going to get in? I'm not sure. And then we got in, and it felt like everything just rocketed, 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 and then the day got there, and then we did it, and then the screening was over, and then it was just like, I don't even know if I had time to process the whole thing. So, But overall, it was definitely a good experience. I didn't necessarily know what to expect. I mean, we've never really shown it to an audience at all, so you're just... 
I mean, with any project, you have your own version in your head of what you think it's going to be. Uh, and then when you're sitting there with the audience watching it, you're like, oh, my God, it's like I'm watching a whole new movie. Yeah. I think it went over pretty well, though. So. And you can de- detach yourself enough to, like, focus on the audience's reaction. Because sometimes, especially the first couple of uh, screenings, some filmmakers kind of focus or obsess yeah. about, like, all the mistakes or whatever. I'm like, oh, we should have used the alternative scene for this or, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, no, I'm pretty good at separating ways because my favorite part is I like watching it with an audience. So I was really looking forward to that. But it's still hard to kind of, you know, the, the the benefit is that I've seen the movie so many times that you can just sort of go, ah, whatever, I know what to expect, and I can kind of sleepwalk through some of it. But um, no, I was able to separate myself and kind of watch the audience and get a good feel off of that. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. What's neat is afterwards when you start hearing people's reactions to your movie and hearing what they think of it, and then it gives you a whole new light on, like, Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think that people would think it would be like that. So, yeah. You know. What kind of movies? You mentioned Terminator Robocop off the bat when I asked you about the sci-fi movies, and those are kind of obvious. Is, did people p- kind of pick up on those? Or like what kind of feedback and kind of movies and stuff did people reference as they watched the uh, film? I heard a lot of people reference Judge Dredd of all things. Um, like more so not the movies, uh, although there's one good movie out of that. And The Handmaid's Tale, which I have not seen. I haven't so, seen that either, yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, I mean, I know kind of vaguely what The Handmaid's Tale is about. But, uh, yeah, I heard a lot of uh, Judge Dredd. Nobody really brought up Robocop, which I thought was interesting. I heard a couple of Running Mans, which was fun. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, <laughs> Running Mans, you know, arguably a classic, although yeah. the book is definitely better than the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, the movie has just enough cheese to kind of keep it out of that kind of, like, amazing movie quality. Yes, exactly. But exactly. enough cheese to make it fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. uh, yeah. They didn't quite hit it, either Mark, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. I mean, I always kind of saw Defective as, like, the sort of Logan's Run, Soylent Green-ish type of movie myself, but... You know, there's a couple dated references that some people just have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned The Handmaid's Tale. Is that a casualty of putting on a movie like this under the Trump era, I guess, for lack of a better term? Just because people kind of then, they read into it right away when it's, when these kind of sci-fi dystopian, these kind of unhappy futures, they kind of like, they're kind of a warning like a universal warning. Yes. That's how they're supposed to kind of operate, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Fahrenheit 451 is still just as relevant now Absolutely. as when it was published in 1950. Yeah, totally. But is this a casualty of being uh, putting on a movie like this under the Trump era? Um, You know what? Probably a little bit. I know it. it um, I have a feeling based on a couple of things I've heard that it made it a little less appealing to some people to go see because they thought the general concept was starting to hit a little too close to home, which is funny because when we made the movie, like certainly when it was written, there was no political agenda behind it at all. It's not like we're sitting there going, oh, yes, we're going to reflect on the times. I mean, it starts with, well, what do I find entertaining and interesting and what do I think is going to be a fun story? And there doesn't seem to be any, like, uh, again, what you're saying, like the audience, how the audience reads it, but from my reading, like... It doesn't feel like it's a Trump allegory or anything like that. Oh, like, not at all. And it's and it's not trying to be. I mean, I really, I think any social commentary or relevance that you see to today's issues really is kind of in the eyes of the viewer and not so much intended by the, the, the guys who made it. So. That's fair, yeah. But, I mean, it is unavoidable in this day and age. Really, any dystopian thing now, I feel like people can read into and go, that's a reflection of this, you know, this current political climate, so... We've been talking about Defective. Can you give us a kind of a breakdown on the synopsis a little bit more to kind of flesh it out? We've kind of touched on some of the themes with the dystopian future. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Well, I mean, in my mind, it sort of takes place in the near future. I'd say like five to six years from now. And what's happened is North America sort of has its first certified police state. That's totally illegal, totally sponsored by a massive corporation called the SEA. State Enforcement Agency. State Enforcement Agency, yes. And, um, you know, they patrol the streets and they're there to keep crime levels down. Uh, but as always, behind the scenes in these movies, there's some nefarious dark secrets going on. And on the streets, we have these urban pacification units called the Preservers of Peace, also called suits in the movie. And if you don't follow a certain set of rules or guidelines in this world, you're deemed defective and almost executed immediately. Uh, so in the midst of all this, a brother and sister, the brother Rhett Murphy, uh, has to go on the run with his uh, like estranged sister that he hasn't seen in years, and they have to try and get out of the police state, and they run into two all the chaos that goes with that. It's a really great comedy, so. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's a heartwarming family. Yeah, heartwarming family drama, comedy. People are taking it far too seriously. Yeah. I thought it was a comedy. It's like you said, it's up to the eye of the beholder, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Just throw it out there, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, yeah. In terms of the suits, and you mentioned, like, they're enforcing uh, the laws of of this land. Yeah. They kind of have a stormtrooperish quality to it, from like Star Wars, right? Because yes. at first they seem kind of robotic, and then one of them gets killed. Uh, I hope that's not a big spoiler, but one no. of them gets killed, no. and then there's blood that comes out. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of a weird balance, like they're yeah. kind of roboticy, humany, cyborgy. Yes. Yeah. Um, if anything, that might be the one thing I do regret now is that um, I've seen one or two reviews that are like, I just don't understand these robots, and I'm like, oh man, like we never intended for them to be taken as robots and it didn't really feel like that on set but it's always hindsight is always that thing where you look back afterwards and you go man they really do look like robots because when you're on set they're they're hunks of plastic walking around right Right. but there wasn't any definitive idea to base them specifically off of stormtroopers i mean a lot of it was based on in taiwan the time that i was writing the script and they probably still have it they had like a taiwanese death squad which was like a super uber pacification these guys and like crazy SWAT uniforms with fully covered masks and you can't see their face. There's no identif- identifiable features of a, of a person under that. Um, so it was more or less trying to do that. But then once we got into the design idea, it was like, well, this is kind of an opportunity. We're sci-fi. Let's, let's try and come up with a cool, unique design, um, which is what we came up with. But like you said, the, the, the thing with that is now people assume they're robots in the movie. But like you, that you caught on once they start bleeding, I guess it is kind of fun to go, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I was initially confused. I mean, as a kid, when the first Star Wars movies came out, Luke Skywalker and all that, it was hard to understand, too, what the stormtroopers were, whether yes, they were yeah, human yeah. or not. And yeah. They've kind of since fleshed that out a little bit more. And now yeah. they have in the new ones, uh, I think his name is Finn, the the black dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so they, yeah, so they've kind of fleshed it out and they've kind of now completely like there's a human dude under there yes yeah yeah, yeah. so but i i bring it up because it's initially at first too when i wasn't sure whether they're kind of robots i thought that was an interesting idea because it's like there's no humanity to appeal to exactly right and i mean that's that that's ultimately the concept is is kind of like i said about those taiwanese death squads is that um there's nothing for you to connect to i mean it could be male female anybody in these suits uh and they all have one uniform uniform voice that comes through this mask and that's the point of it is that you're not supposed to identify with them. You're supposed to fear them 24-7. So, But you can't also bleed with them. It's the same thing like you mentioned RoboCop as well off the top. 
Robocop just kind of has a black and white version of the law. Like, yes, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, you're jaywalking, that's it. There's yeah, no, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. I'll let you off with a warning or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And you just hope he doesn't, like, shoot you or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't yeah, go yeah. over the top. Yeah. But, yeah, there's no way to even just kind of, like, appeal or, like, protest your case or, yes, like, get yeah, off yeah. with a warning. Yeah, yeah. You're, it's all, it's a very black and white world. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of sparked all these ideas? Then, you were, like you said, this wasn't written in response to Trump or anything like this. So you'd written this obviously a couple of years before all the, yeah, yeah. the Trump stuff happened. So what was kind of like the spark? I mean, well, a big part of it. I mean, do you want the long answer or the short answer? What do you want to go with? Uh, split it down the middle. Split it down the middle. Uh, splitting it down the middle was we were trying to get another film off the ground, and it just was not happening. Like we were stuck in development hell. Nothing was going on. I'm like, fuck, I gotta make something. And I love sci-fi movies. Uh, I I will admit I'm not as brushed. I'm not like a enough of a sci-fi guy that we could have like ultimate quiz here. And I don't know if I would pass it, but definitely a fan of sci-fi movies, specifically in fiction. And I really wanted to do a sci-fi movie. And I kind of wanted to do something like, you know, I was thinking about Soylent Green and Logan's Run and even Running Man and, and Terminator and Robocop and the sort of grittier R-rated more serious that type i'm like man they're just not making any of these anymore now the so that's that's pretty much where it came out of i i don't remember specifically where the ideas were i mean it's you know it's sort of a hodgepodge of a bunch of different sci-fi ideas mixed into one but in essence it just came out and i wrote it pretty damn fast actually so when you're writing something like a sci-fi movie like this, do you initially start to worry about budgets and things like this, or do you just put everything to the page and then worry about the how you're going to make it happen later on? Yes, I did worry about how we're going to do it later. Uh, when I was writing it, I'm like, let's just get it all out on paper. I mean, the primary focus for me, I should say, was that I was I was really interested in the brother-sister dynamic because I have a... Uh, I have about a 15-year age gap between my sister and myself, and I don't see my sister that often. She lives quite a ways away from me. So I was I was sort of <laughs> trying to write something that I'm like, I don't see enough of this represented on screen. So that's kind of where the bulk of the idea came on, and then I liked the idea of throwing it in the middle of this crazy sci-fi violent nonsense. Uh, but yeah, I didn't worry about the budget when I was writing it. It was definitely on my mind because... I mean, specifically with indie movies, you don't usually go out and make a movie like that. Uh, not for the budget that we had. But at the same time, I went, well, what if we just figured out a way to do it? Because I don't, like, I, I hate the idea of re having to restrict ourselves without even just trying to make it work, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. And the other thing, too, is, like, sometimes when you have, like you mentioned, like being an indie film, you have that creative mentality where you have to cut corners yes. strategically. Yes. And that sometimes forces and prompts a lot of creativity. And is that kind of what happened as well in your set? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there's always this preconceived notion, and it's not unfounded with, with independent film that, you know, one location, limited characters, and I'm not saying that that's the wrong way to do it. But, you know, sometimes as a filmmaker, you, you get into it because you want to make the movies you want to see. I mean, I don't think any filmmakers, well, there might be, are out there going, when they're a kid going, oh, I really want to make a one-room drama with two people talking yeah. in a bedroom. Yeah. Um, my, that, dinner, my dinner with Andre. My dinner with, and I love my dinner with Andre, yeah. but that was not my aspiration. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we definitely had to, I mean, because of the budget we had, there was a lot of creativity that had to happen on set because the idea was, specifically between myself and the director of photography, Isaac Elliott Fisher, was we want to try and pull off everything we can 
and just try it. And if it doesn't work, then we cut corners and find a way. And for the most part, I mean, we did, it's debatable whether it's successful or not, we did pull off the bulk of what was in that screenplay. And yeah, there was a lot of stuff that we had to cut corners on and go, well, that's just not going to work. So, Yeah, it, previously before this, you had a zombie movie, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, why do you say it like that? I don't know. It's I, I think anybody does when they think back to their past movies. Oh. You know, It's just uh, when I made that, I mean, we shot that, it was summer of 2009, I had $6,000 to go make a movie, and somehow we pulled it off, and just like everything that could go wrong went wrong on that set. I had to shoot it myself, and just whenever I think back to it, and it's brought up, I'm always like, oh man, that movie. Like, you know? Okay, I won't dwell on it, but yeah. the, the reason I brought it up, though, was because... Again, it's just just referencing the genre itself. Like zombie, yeah. you can kind of get away with making it cheap. Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. the the genre is kind of built in for that. But yeah. with sci-fi, there's almost that extra added pressure in a sense to yes. to make it look good or to make it like yeah, like you need to. As there's a certain style, a certain aesthetic that you need to hit. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, you definitely um, horror films are technically easier to pull off on a low budget because they just. I don't know why that is because you know some horror films, some of my favorites are really like over the top and crazy. But uh, you're right when you're heading into zombie territory, you just kind of go, well, yeah, just paint some people white and yellow and throw some blood on them, and, yeah. and they stumble around. But uh, yeah, it is definitely harder when you're going into sci-fi. There is that added pressure. But I mean, we made it work. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if I could sit here and detail exactly how it worked or how we did it, but just like we found a way to make it work. It was hard. This is definitely one of the toughest shoots we've ever done. So magic. Magic, yes, yes. And the other reason I bring up the zombie to sci-fi thing is that this is also a lot more technical too, right? Because with filmmaking, you generally, no matter what film you make, whether it's dinner, My Dinner with Andre or this, yeah. Defective, you have to uh, balance the technical aspects of filmmaking with the creative aspects and making sure you get the whatever you need out of the actors and yeah. it's all working and the story flows and all that jazz. But this is also another layer of technicality, right? With all, because you had a drone in there, yes. you had like you had the suits, and you had to make sure they moving and working and not stumbling over things. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that is it was it difficult to balance all that kind of technical focus as well with the creative, or was it kind of all smooth? Um, we didn't. I mean, it was difficult, but it's it's funny enough. It, it didn't. It never really felt overwhelming. It was just overwhelming. Thinking of like like how are we going to get through it but once you were doing it for some reason it all came together i mean a lot of it was i surrounded myself with really 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 talented people like that's that's the trick i mean you know a good producer very good director of photography uh who also happened to be a co-production designer some good builders some good set people and i mean you know we kind of had a working knowledge even just from watching special features on other movies of like well, this is technically how you do do it. Let's just figure out how to do it the low-budget way. So it wasn't too confining or, or, or scary. It was just, um, I think it was more thinking about, great, we know we can shoot it, but I have no idea what it's going to look like when we cut it together, especially with the drone stuff. Because, I mean, we did have a practical drone on set, um, but it only worked for X amount of shots. So, I mean, some days you'd be shooting the sky, and you're like, well, it's going to drop down here and shoot at them. I hope this works, you know. I've never yeah. really done that before. Move the camera this way and it'll fly over. So that stuff was a little spooky, but... Uh, you mentioned having a good crew, uh, the producer. You worked with Possibility Films. Yes. You kind of, you've been collaborating with them for a couple of uh, projects, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. 
how did that kind of come together and just kind of give us a little breakdown of who they are or who he is actually? Well, Possibility Films is is, is pretty much one guy. That's why I said I corrected it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is uh, Peter Zabo, uh, and I mean Peter and I have been friends for over ten years now. Uh, and I mean, he's been making short films out there because uh, we're from Guelph, Ontario, which is just outside of Toronto. And uh, he was making a bunch of short films and we met up on somebody else's film and we just started working together. And I don't know, we just found a good balance of, you know, like we understand each other. It's a good collaboration. We really work together well on stories. And um, he's one of those guys where I know no matter how bad things might get, no matter how stressful things are on a shoot, because they're always stress and it's always some sort of war. I know that at the end of it, we'll walk away and we'll come back like a week later and everything will be fine and we'll just get through it. So, I mean, that's pretty much where that partnership and why that partnership functions more than anything. And he's just very understanding of, you know, like my process, I'm understanding of his process and we don't get in each other's way when it comes to doing it. So, And, uh, I mean, we're just stubborn and we persevere through tough storm so yeah that's cool yeah i mean a good producer is half the battle sometimes for a film yeah i think a lot of people think it's like obviously actors and all these other things are important but having a good producer having that good backbone yes to kind of guide the ship yeah not enough credit is given to producers because i mean you know as the director you are the captain of the ship but i mean there's the guy who who owns the ship you know and is like making sure that uh there's money spent towards that ship so producers are very important and in terms of collaboration, this is a sci-fi world. So, is there any plans to return to this world or to this grim dystopia, uh, like this world, sp- like yeah, like a defective sequel, yeah. um, or not, a TV show, or, or a TV, TV show, show. anything, not- any way to return a comic book? Like, it, there's kind of all kinds of possibilities now, right? And especially because yeah. it's sci-fi, it's so elastic. You can return to this world a million different ways. I mean, we definitely have ideas for sure, but there's no immediate plan for a sequel. I mean, you really need a reason to want to do a sequel. It's not enough to go, yeah, we've got some cool ideas, but if they don't if they don't add up to anything interesting, then it's just not really worth doing. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that we weren't able to do that we'd love to, that I think would go great in a sequel. Um, but it's more right now, it's just like, well, here's some cool scenes that could happen, and here's an idea of where the story could go. But I mean, right now, there's... I'm not super interested in returning to it anytime soon. So, and now that uh, Defective played at Toronto After Dark, uh, what's the plan? Is it going to screen somewhere else, or going to do other film festivals, or a theatrical release, or what's the plan? Yeah, well, as of right now, I mean, we're going to Austin next month. It's playing in Austin at the Other World Austin Film Festival. Austin's uh, a great town. It is a great town. Um, I hope I've never been, so I'm really excited. Okay. Yeah. Have some pulled pork tacos there. You had pulled pork tacos where we record here at Pacific yes, Junction yeah. Hotel Bar. So have some pulled pork tacos in Austin and then come back and then give us a report and compare. Okay, excellent. That sounds like a great plan. I yeah. like that. Um, so it's playing in Austin. I think we have a couple other festival dates in the new year, but I'm not, those aren't official yet, so I don't want to bring them up yet. I might jinx myself. Uh, but right now, I mean, the movie has been sold to quite a few different territories already. I know it's been sold in the States. I can't say the name of the company yet, but it will be coming out uh, next year for sure. Uh, as for Canada, I'm not sure yet when it's coming out here. Uh, theatrical is a possibility, but you just never know, especially with low-budget independent stuff. I mean, man, you've seen it. Some movies that are like million-plus are having trouble getting to theaters now. So, But it will definitely be released on all platforms by the end of 2018, for sure. It's kind of a blessing and a curse with Netflix, too. Yes. Netflix, Amazon. It's great because now you you have a built-in audience there. Yes. But the problem is there's so much stuff on there. Sometimes people don't know what to look for to exactly. find. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so. yeah. It's tough. I mean, 
I'm guilty of surfing through Netflix and there's tons of stuff that is probably quite good. And then everyone ends up on Stranger Things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we end up on Stranger Things or all these other shows. So, All right. And where can people find you online, on the internet? On the internet. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, you can find me on Facebook, which is just facebook.com slash directed by Reese. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I can't. I think my Twitter handle. I mean, there's no other. There's very few Evanitions in the world. So looking up Reese Evanition, if there's another one, then it's it's. I, I you have to tell me. But I'm pretty easy to find. Um, but I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, YouTube, all the big fun places. So all right. And my name is Sam Yunin. I'm on uh, the Twitter at my pal Sammy. So you can follow me there. Thank you, Reese, for coming in and talking sci-fi. And like, do you want to amend any of the movies that you brought up? The are you going to stick with your three to five? Oh my gosh! Well, I know. Back to the pressure. This is the hardest question I asked you, eh? It is the toughest question. I, yeah, you really, you really got me with that one. Um, no, I think I'm going to stick with what I have. I wish I could have like some weird, obscure sci-fi movie to reference, but uh, I don't. I mean, it's it's a. You know what's going to happen is I'm going to be driving home tonight and I'm going to be like, God damn it, I thought of like yeah, I 20 ones I really like. Uh, but I think that's 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 an okay stock to go off of right now. You know what's one I really like? I like heavy metal. Oh, Original okay. heavy metal. That's great. That's a little bit off the beaten path. I mean, it's kind of semi-popular. but Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's again, it's treading in that territory where you go, it's sci-fi. Well, it's definitely sci-fi. There's a lot of sci-fi in it, but it's like sci-fi fantasy and stuff like that. So it's hard for me right now to find, unless I'm wrong and somebody might be able to correct me, maybe you can't. I'm having trouble now finding good sci-fi, like good original sci-fi, I should say. Like there is plenty of sci-fi out there. Like you said, I mean, you could call most of these superhero film sci-fi movies. Yeah. And you know, I heard you out there talking about Star Trek Discovery. That's on there. But it's I'm, I'm having a hard time like going to the theater to watch really good sci-fi, you know? Yeah, I think the studios are more interested in kind of doing a, a trilogy or doing some sort of like a Star Wars or something, yes. something that has legs. Yeah. And so it's hard to just do kind of like an independent sci-fi or whatever. A lot of people like The Rival. I kind of struggled through it a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't mind Arrival, mm. And I mean, um, I did certainly enjoy Blade Runner 2049. I didn't good. do that one. You didn't? No. No, no. Did, you watched it or you didn't No, no, like I didn't it. get around to it. No, oh, you I didn't, didn't put, get around to it? Yeah, I didn't put on my pants yet. Uh, um, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's a hell of a slow burn, but it's 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 a good one. Um, but again, people seem pretty divided on that one. But again, when you look at Blade Runner, you go, but it's another established property. Like, yeah. Like, where's the big budget? I mean... I was talking about this on the drive down with uh, Isaac, who was the cinematographer on Defective, and we're going, man, like, even if you had, like, millions of dollars, I don't even know in this day and age if any studio would fund something like Defective. Even if you put all the A-list actors in, I wonder if they'd just go, yeah, but it's not an existing property. Why would you want to make that? So Yeah, I think that's what it, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's just now, they if you can't get a trilogy or sell toys or Happy Meals, it's almost like, well, then what's yeah. the point of this? And it's what makes it tough, too, is... Is there is good sci-fi if you're willing to look for it, like especially in the lower budgeted region. But people don't want to invest because you know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the gentleman at the bar said he only watches big budget sci-fi, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see that that's really heartbreaking to hear because it's like, well, that's not fair because then that's only a certain bracket. There's tons of sci-fi being made, but you actually have to look for it. And just because it's made for little to no money, I mean, you may have to overlook like some poor acting and stuff like that, and maybe not great production value. But at its core, you'll find some interesting stories out there if you're willing to look for it. So It's kind of a different aesthetic, I think, with sci-fi. I mean, we kind of talk about this, where like sci-fi kind of has to look good or polar, depending yes. on the type of world that you're building. Whereas, again, when we were talking about horror, you were allowed to kind of get away with cheese a little bit with horror. Yeah, 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 totally. And I mean, I feel like there's a, a certain... 
there's a grace there that the audience gives you depending yes. on the genre, which is a little unfair. Yeah. But it's the nature of the beast. I yeah, and it, and it's tough too. And I feel like if you want to get away with low budget sci-fi too, like you have to do like it's kind of like a horror movie. If for some reason if it's made extra goofy or cheesy, people buy into it. Yeah. Like um Turbo Kid or Manborg or something like yeah. that. Yeah. You know what what you're kind of talking about is a movie called Children of Men. Did you see that yes, one? Yes, Clive Owen. That's yeah. a really solid one. There we go. Yeah. And that's a nice little like I don't know how much they made that movie for, but it couldn't have made more than like 20 million or like it's a pretty straightforward movie, right? Because it was done in the farmhouse and Yeah, yeah, but I mean it's, you know, it's the little things that go into it. But yeah, but again like you're going, well that was over 10 years ago. Now. I know. You know, so it's just it's crazy to think that uh We've hit this rut. I mean, you can, like I said, you go to the theaters, you go see, like, Thor's a bona fide sci-fi movie, the yeah. new one, or even Justice League that's coming out this Friday, but you're like, but this is all pre-existing property. It's still exciting, but it's not as exciting as, like, like, I don't, I doubt we're going to get, like, another R-rated RoboCop Terminator Total Recall. Like, could you imagine a movie like Total Recall coming out now? I, I can't see it. No. You know? It'd be incredible if they did. Yeah. I think they've been trying to and failing for the most part is uh, adapt a lot of Philip K. Dick stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah. And there's been a bunch of terrible ones like Paycheck with Ben Affleck and things like right, that. Right, right. Just like I think they're doing the making the mistake you're talking about, which is they're trying to go over the top. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. With them, and I'm like, it's they're just, just trying to glamorize it for like, well, you know, the general audience won't understand this. So. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't mean to sit here and poo-poo on the uh, Hollywood industry too much because, I mean, if they sign my paychecks, who knows, I might come back and be like, yes, the Hollywood system is great. Yeah, and then you end up making like a nice $100 million sci-fi. And just yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I made Thor 5. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I'm very happy about it. Yeah, there you go. But, so. um, yeah, it, it is what it is. I mean, like you said, we got Blade Runner this year. That was rated R, had a little bit of edge to it totally bombed at the box office so just like damn there we go you know it might be a thing similar to like westerns where westerns are kind of out of vogue for this time this period of time that's true and then you just gotta wait for the audience i guess to kind of come back around or somebody like a quentin tarantino or something to make like a nice little yes yeah you need, yeah. You need that guy you need a guy or a girl whatever yeah, yeah, it is yeah. but you need a guy to like yeah spark kevin smith or something yeah like somebody's got to come out that has some clout yeah that makes like the weird uh sci-fi movie and everybody goes oh yeah sci-fi is cool yeah so, yeah we'll see hopefully okay well and you will have to come back after you've had some ta uh, pulled pork tacos in austin i will yeah so do come back and give us a report excellent thank I'm you happy for uh coming in and hanging out and we covered uh sci-fi we covered defective we covered toronto after dark experience we covered a lot so yeah. This is good. Thank you. Thank you very much.